You are listening to episode 21 of the Floxy Hope Podcast. You are listening to the Floxy Hope Podcast. My name is Lisa Bloomquist Palmer, and today we have Renee on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Renee. Oh, Lisa, it's great to be on. Thanks so much. And just wondering if you could give us a little bit of background, tell people who are listening who you are and anything else that you'd like to say about your background. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, my name's Renee and, um, I'm a, I'm a writer, uh, a professional technical writer by day and uh, playwright by night. Um, and, uh, I guess the, I, can, I also teach, um, I teach theater as well. So, um, I, my job is I'm sort of on my feet a lot and also sitting a lot. Um, and, I, I didn't realize like how much until I was floxed how how much the floxing would have affected my job. So um, so that was kind of interesting. Um, I live in DC and uh, I love it here. I've lived here for uh, gosh almost thirty years. Um, I'm a runner. Uh, I'm pretty active, and uh, I'm just really glad to be on this podcast. Yeah, well, thank you so much, and would love to talk to you as we uh, converse about how how fluoroquinolone toxicity affected your your job and your running and everything else. So let's start talking about that. What um, what what happened to get you floxed in the first place? Well, let's start telling yourself. Um, sure. Um, I was 2013, and um, I, I felt like I was I, was, I had a UTI, and uh, I went to my doctor. And she was, she was a relatively new to me doctor. Um, and I went to her and she said, well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a test but to confirm it. But just to make sure, you know, there's nothing there. Here's a three-day course of Cipro. Um, and I, remember, I think I might have given her a, sort of like a funny or quizzical look because she said to me, oh, no, this is, you know, this is kind of standard procedure. It's what we've been doing now, you know, three-day course, um, just kind of knock it out of you if you have it and, and no harm, no foul. If you don't, it'll be fine. And uh, I, I, I back up a little bit. In 2002, I'd had an emergency appendectomy and uh, was pumped full of Cipro um, intravenously and was sent home after the surgery with, I want to say, two to three weeks worth of Cipro. Um, I took it uh, in 2002. I was fine. I didn't have any side effects at all, none whatsoever. And so fast forward back into 2013 when uh, the doctor prescribed this three-day course for me, um, I thought, well, you know, um, Cipro seems kind of like a hardcore drug for UTI, but I know that I can tolerate it, so I'll take it. And one pill in, I took one pill and it was like, you know, a bomb went off in my body. Um, I couldn't get out of bed. You know, I took the pill, went to bed, woke up in the morning and uh, I could, just couldn't move. You know, every sort of movement was painful. Um, my calves felt like they were on fire. Um, I felt, this is kind of odd, that I sort of felt like if I stretched that every muscle and tendon in my body would snap. It was really strange. Um, and so I said to my husband, something really wrong here. Um, I think I'm having a reaction to the Cipro. Um, and as, you know, as the days went on, um, as I think many, many of your listeners can, can relate, I mean, it was the symptoms sort of moved around my body. So, um, 
I had severe pain in um, in my Achilles tendons, in my um, in my feet. At one point, the toes in my left foot just wouldn't bend. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, neuropathy, you know, tingling in all of my extremities. I felt like my teeth were going to fall out. Um, it felt like um, if I was able, when I was able to stand, um, it felt like if I had to bend over, for example, to tie my shoes, I couldn't do that because it felt like every organ in my torso would fall out. Um, it felt like my thumbs were going to fall off. It just felt like my body was literally falling apart. Um, so I did some research online, um, and uh, I, th- I think I found a Facebook group first um, and started reading stories and everything just clicked for me. And then um, I found Foxy Hope, which uh, was a godsend <laughs> because uh, I was I was absolutely despairing. I just had no idea what to do. Um, I, I was reading some of the stories on Foxy Hope and I thought, okay, uh, there's got to be a way that I can that I can come back come back from this, and uh, with a combination of reading Foxy Hope and also reading um, a, I forget which Facebook group it was, um, somebody had posted a post on the Facebook group referring to Dr. Terry Walls and her diet uh, that she developed to reverse her MS sy- sy- symptoms, and so I remember thinking, well. If she can reverse her MS symptoms with diet, uh, you know, it sounds like I can probably at least begin to heal myself with diet from all this mitochondrial damage that is is being done to my body. Um, So I went on her diet, and with that and a lot of supplements, I slowly began to get better. So, so before we really get into exactly what is involved in the in the Walls Protocol and Terry <laughs> Walls's diet, um, can we just back up a little bit and say, like, was it only one pill that you ended up taking in 2013? It was only one pill. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it yeah. just was the bomb going off in your body. For those of you who are listening, um, you might want to refer to Renee's. Uh, recovery story, which she put up. Goodness, it was it was a little while ago. It was back in 2015 that we posted it, and she had listed the side effects of neuropathy in hands and feet, partial paralysis in left toes, joint popping and cracking, severe fatigue, vertigo, excruciating pain in both Achilles, plantar fasciitis, dental pain slash jaw pain, TMJ symptoms, loss of muscle tone. It felt like my stomach, intestines, and liver were going to fall out if I leaned forward. Joint deterioration. It felt like my thumbs were going to fall off. Arthritis in both hands. Severely dry eyes. Insomnia, palpitations, waves of anxiety and despair. And also that you could barely walk. And in fact, walked with a cane or crutches for close to three months. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was very trying. Um, and at the time, um, I was doing some teaching that I'd already contracted to do. And so, um, at one point, uh, you know, I was teaching, a, I was teaching a class that required me to stand, um, for the majority of the day and I was able to do it, but it just, it just took everything out of me at the end of the day. Um, so for, I'd say for the first three months, um, when I was, when I was coming out, when I was into it for the first three months of it after floxing, it was probably the most intense, the most intense symptoms I've ever had. 
um, it was, it was, it was challenging. Um, I was so grateful. Um, and I, and I think most people, um, it, who unfortunately been flocks. Um, I know we haven't really talked about this yet, but in terms of <laughs> what to do and advice, if you've got one person in your life who can help you in some way, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an enormously important and positive thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. So who was the yeah. person for you? It was my husband. Um, you know, he, you know, he literally like pulled me out of bed on some days, you know, he was, he was a shoulder to, for me to lean on as I went up and down the stairs. Um, he took me places. Um, and he also most importantly just reminded me that it would get better. Um, uh, it was so important to, to surround myself with people who would, you know, give me, you know, positive feedback and say, you know, just as as terrible as this is, we're going to fix it. It will get better. It might take some time. Um, and you know, I've talked to, I've talked to folks after floxing, you know, friends of friends and have said to them, you know, if, even if you have to lie to yourself every single moment of the day, even if you, if you feel like you're lying to yourself and saying it will get better, I am healing. Even if it feels like a lie, (laughs) say it to yourself because it, um, you can really, at least I could really spiral very quickly into despair if I thought about all the negative things that were happening. I think that that's really important and really valuable. And, you know, different people react differently. You know, some people want to hear, um, you'll never get better. And then they're like, no, I'm going to get better. And it like, it kind of strengthens them in some ways to, to hear, to hear something negative. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that that happens with some people, but that's my personality is much more like yours where it's like, I just had to be positive because yes. if I heard anything negative, it would just, it would spiral me. Yeah. And, and, and that can still happen with me a little bit. You know, I can still think that, that, it's coming back and you know, that my life is going to be over and you know, like that I won't be able to handle stress or that I'm getting chronic fatigue. And you know, I've been recovered for many years and, and I get more resilient and more able to, to handle negativity as, Mm. as I get more confident in my, in my body's overall healing, but I Mm. still get nervous and hearing negativity just is something I can't handle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. It's like 100%. It's definitely related to who you are and, and how you handle things. Um, and, and knowing yourself, um, is so crucial. Yeah, absolutely. And for the people who, who really need that positivity, I think it's really important that you just be concentrate on positive stories or even just get off the internet. You know, um, that's one of the biggest things that I advise in my story. And Mm -hmm. Honestly, that includes Floxy Hope. I've tried to keep it a positive place, but there are plenty of posts that I've written where I'm either angry or scared or like pointing out scary information. And Mm -hmm. I think that the more that people can just get away from all of it, the better, the better they're off if they have that personality type. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally. Yeah. So, um, so how did it, Effect just um, you know we we talked we said at the beginning we'd talk about how it would affect your work. Um, it, it the other thing I didn't I don't think I mentioned is that I it gave me a really bad brain fog um, uh, and probably don't remember that because of my <laughs> because 
my outgoing brain fog. Um, but that was that is tough um, when teaching. Um, my memory pre-flux um, wasn't uh, wasn't super sharp, but you know I could remember things. Post-flux, um, I'm a lot foggier, and I'm still building that back up. Um, but when I was teaching, I felt like I needed to have notes in my hand at all times, um, just to make sure that I didn't forget something. Um, on days when my hands were really, really painful and arthritic, um, I just didn't type. Um, it, uh, the, the hand thing, um, I, it turned out that the hand thing got, um, better as the day went on. So I would change sort of the time of day when I was working or writing. So I knew that if, um, early mornings were bad because my hands were still kind of waking up. Um, but, uh, as the day went on, I knew that I'd be able to write later in the day. So, I mean, how it affected my work was just sort of, it involves a lot of planning and realizing where, if, if I was going to be teaching, where I was going to be teaching, um, if it would be okay for me to be seated for part of the day. Um, I teach both theater acting and playwriting. Um, in the acting classes, um, it's, it's useful to be on your feet with the students. So um, if I knew that I would be on my feet for a particular class, um, I would make sure, you know, that I took a cab to the class um, and spent as little time as, on my feet as possible before the class and after the class. Um, and for playwriting, you know, it was totally fine to be sitting. Right. But um, it, 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 affected, um, it affected my teaching the most, I think, I would say more than writing. Okay. Because um, you just need to be able to kind of think on your feet. Yes, and that got to be that got to be. Um, I, w- I was able to handle it. Um, I think for people who are in the theater, um, there's this thing called doctor theater. You know, so if you're ill or you know, and you have to go on stage, um, if you're on stage magically, it just kind of your body puts it aside, you know, and it kind of goes away. And then if you're after you've done with, you're done with your show and you're backstage again and you're feeling bad, and you always sort of get the sense that doctor theater is going to come in if you're teaching or performing, and will save the day and will make it okay for you. Um, and I, that actually worked with my teaching, my theater teaching. Um, as tough as it was, uh, Dr. Theater kind of hovered in the background and said, okay, I'm just, I'm going to heal you for this moment that you're on, <laughs> you're on your feet and teaching. And, you know, you can be sick when you get home. So that was helpful. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. I love that. That's, that's really wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So um, before we talk about your healing journey and the walls protocol, uh, mm-hmm. did you end up going to the doctor? Like in saying, you know, what in the world is going on with me? Or did you know immediately what was going on with you? I always wonder about kind of people's discovery journey. Of, um, I, yeah, I, mean, I seem to remember calling the doctor who prescribed the Cipro afterwards and just letting her know that I felt like it was, um, that it was causing. Oh, in fact, that is what happened. I called her and said, you know, you should know that this is causing this is causing this in me. And she said to me, well, it's very rare. And I'm thinking, all right, well, one, it's not rare. And two, even if it is rare, it's not changing the fact that, that this has happened to me. Um, I think, um, as time went on, I, I, I ended up not going back to her. It was, it was a practice and it was an HMO. Um, uh, 
And I know that, I'm sorry, Lisa, I totally forgot what your question was. No, like, like, did you go to doctors and how did you like discover, how did right. you kind of put together the pieces? I mean, it sounds right. like, it sounds like you put together the pieces immediately. And like, it was very much an immediate reaction and really realizing that it was, that you were having an adverse reaction to the Cipro was not, not a problem for you. Like a lot of people kind of go months or even years going, why is my body falling apart? And and they don't make the connection, but it sounds like you made the connection right away. Yeah, I did. And, um, I do remember going to, um, urgent, like after hours, urgent care because my, um, both Achilles at one point were just so excruciatingly painful that I just felt like I at least needed to have a doctor look at me, just look at them. And, and, um, and so I went and they, you know, they couldn't find anything structurally wrong with me. Right. Um, and I remember saying to the doctor too, I, you know, look, I think I'm having an adverse reaction to Cipro. I think this is what's going on. And again, the same sort of thing where the doctor said, well, you know, never heard of that. Um, you know, uh, that seems kind of strange to me. Um, and I remember, I think I remember talking to, it might've been the admitting nurse, who said, wow, um, you know, I know that happens, but it's rare. So it wasn't something that anybody was, um, that doctors weren't really willing to, to entertain for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, like saying that it's rare is kind of, it's, it's a way of blowing people off and kind of saying like, well, this is okay. But it's Mm -hmm. not really okay. No, no, it's not. And, um, you know, I remember, um, trying everything in my power um, to let doctors know about this. And what I ended up finally doing is um, post-floxing. I just, you know, add Cipro and fluoroquinolones to my list of, um, to, to medicines that, you know, I'm, quote, allergic to, just so that I make sure that nobody gives them to me. Right. Um, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's just, it's tough. I mean, I realize that, you know, the visibility is getting much better um, and more doctors are aware, but it was, it was, it was tough going and kind of infuriating early on. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your healing journey um, Mm -hmm. and how you, what the walls protocol is, if you don't mind describing it so that people can um, just have a basic idea about what it involves and how it helped you just Go ahead and say whatever you want to about it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, just I guess to begin with, the Walsh Protocol is um, a diet uh, that is, there's three levels of it, three levels of intensity, but it's based, It's mostly based on, the basic principle is eating an extraordinarily nutritionally dense diet. So lots and lots of vegetables. Um, it, uh, it's gluten-free, um, dairy-free egg-free, um, kind of a, sort of think of a sort of a paleo diet, um, but with lots of vegetables, seaweed, organ meats, and, uh, depending on the level of intense nutrition that you want, um, you, you pick, um, one level of the diet. Um, when I started on the Wallace protocol, I don't think Dr. Wallace had, had split it out into the three levels of intensity yet. So, um, I was following her basic diet, which was, um, nine cups a day of um, vegetables and intensely colored fruits, um, particularly berries, so like blueberries and raspberries, strawberries, um, uh, organic 
meat when possible. I'm really lucky that I live near uh, a Whole Foods, so um, it's. I got to say, also, it's it's an expensive undertaking um, if you follow it. But um, the other the flip side of it, it's a whole bunch cheaper following this diet than it is going to doctors all the time. So. Um, you know, I just sort of budgeted for that. And, um, we ate, um, both my husband and I just ate this very nutritionally intense diet and lots of coconut fat, coconut milk, coconut oil, excuse me. And I supplemented with magnesium and vitamin B, um, coenzyme Q10, um, and a couple of other things as well. I think some vitamin C as well. And uh, slowly but surely, the symptoms started to improve. Um, I was, by the end of, let's see, I was floxed in July. And I want to say by um, October, I was pretty much able to walk without a cane um, for long stretches. And uh, I slowly began to go back to the gym um, Working out has always been uh, just uh, just a really healing thing for me. Um, I'm a runner. I'm a very slow runner. <laughs> I'm a runner, and um, I, I've been going to the gym for years. And I knew that I had to get some sort of exercise in, even if it was just walking to the end of my block and back to my house, um, because it helped clear my head. And Dr. Walls also prescribes it as part of her healing protocol. No matter, you know, you can always do something. You can always, you know, walk across the house back and forth. And so little by little, I began to get stronger and stronger. Um, And um, I would say probably, like I said, by October, I was walking with a cane. Um, The following January, so like four to five months in, maybe six months in, I was able to begin running again. And that was a huge thing for me um, because I was convinced, you know, in the thick of it that I would would probably never walk again. And to be able to run even just a few steps at a time was just a huge victory. So um, I'm just a huge proponent of the diet. Um, It really did make me me feel so much better. Um, It was easy for me to go on the diet also because my husband has celiac disease. And so for the past... 12 to 12 years we've both been eating a gluten-free diet and i'm also uh, pretty sure that my floxing might have been a lot worse had i been eating gluten i mean that's just a gut reaction on my own my own part but um i knew that my body uh was healthy when i was floxed the great irony is is i did not have a uti (laughs) when i was given the the uh, antibiotics so um as part of the healing journey, in addition to the food and, you know, the Walsh protocol and exercise was just really taking in and reminding myself, as odd as it sounds, I was so incredibly fortunate to be healthy when I was floxed at the beginning. I cannot even begin to imagine that if, God forbid, I'd had, you know, pneumonia or a serious infection um, or even a minor infection, even a UTI, trying to heal both from both things at the same time would have been horrible. Um, so at the moment, you know, it's three years out, um, and I'm, I'm healed. I like to say I'm about 95% healed. Um, I still cycle occasionally, um, but I'm healed. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So um, all of your symptoms except for, like, what are your remaining, like, little, little symptoms? What are those 5%? 
Um, every morning, I still have neuropathy in my hands. So um, sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and my hand, both hands will just be completely numb um, or, they, or they'll be tingling. And I just know that if I open and close my hands, it'll go away. Um, so that's pretty much every morning. I've, I've still got um, hand issues going on. It's not painful. It's just annoying. Um, occasionally, um, I, get, I get joint popping. Um, that still is a, still a, an occasional thing. Um, the brain fog, uh, is still with me. Um, it's, it's better than it was, but it's still with me. Um, it's some, it's something that really, I, I think I find the most distressing. Um, you know, it's not debilitating by any means. It's just, it's just an annoyance. (laughs) Um, but it's distressing too, at the same time. Um, the, I'm trying to think of the, oh, oh, dry eyes occasionally. Sometimes, uh, you know, I used to wear contacts every day. I can't do that anymore so much. Um, it depends on how my eyes are doing, um, whether they're dry or not. And, um, I think that's probably it. Uh, right now I'm cycling. I'm going through a little cycle, um, where I was taking some collagen supplements that, um, I think probably, I can't prove it, but I think probably are from a source um, of cattle that had been treated with some sort of antibiotic because um, some pain has come back um, more strongly than than a usual cycle. Uh, joint popping is severe at this point, um, and I had some pain in my legs. So I, I'm cycling through again. Luckily, I know what to do about it. Right. Um, but I'm, like I would say between 95 and a hundred percent better. Um, you know, if all I have to live with are, you know, numb hands that still work, um, in joint popping, um, and a little bit of brain fog, um, I'm happy. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, that's great that you are so improved and I hope that these remaining symptoms, um, also alleviate alleviate with time and you know cycles are pretty normal i want to tell the people who are listening that um yes cycles happen yes they're normal yes they're terrifying yeah um you know all all of those all of those things are true um i think that different approaches work work for different people um did you did you kind of double down on the diet when you went, when you started this cycle, or how how do you respond? Um, I, I'm doubling down. So um, at the moment, I'm you know extra nutritious, making sure that I've got extra nutritious vegetables coming in. Um, trying to dial down the coffee a little bit. I find that that affects me. Caffeine affects me worse when I'm cycling. Um, supplementing again. So um, I had stopped my magnesium supplementation because it felt like I I was at peak magnesium. (laughs) And um, so I'm starting to cycle back into more intense uh, supplements right now. Um, And still exercising, just not as intensely. That's that's great. That that sounds sounds wonderful. Are there any tips that you'd like to give people who are going through this or just the audience generally who's listening? to not to not despair, to try to not give in to despair, um, and to and to surround yourself with people who can help you in some way. Um, you know, my husband, as I mentioned, my husband before, my um, my next door neighbor um, was wonderful. He um, one day he became my workout buddy, and I say that in quotes. And he came and he picked me up with his dog, and it took 
it took me probably 20 minutes. Two of us walked to the end of my street and back, which is normally a three-minute walk and took 20 minutes. But my neighbor, Steve, came and said, come on, time for a workout. No matter how long it takes, we'll go. And so we walked the dog <laughs> to the end of the, to the mailbox and back. Um, uh, and you, Lisa, too. I mean, I came across Floxy Hope, and um, I just felt like here is somebody who is doing the work of the angels. It, um, you know, you helped me and so many other people so much. And I remember I had sent you an email right when I was floxed and you and responded so beautifully right away and gave me some, some healing tips. And, um, so I say to everybody who's listening, you know, reach out to people who can help you. Um, don't be stubborn and don't feel like you have to be through it, going through it alone, because it's really helpful to have somebody there to help you. Absolutely. Now, I wrote a post about how important it is to just have someone to save your life. And it yes. feels like that. I, I mean, I, I credit my acupuncturist with saving my life. And, you know, I, I know that that probably sounds dramatic. And like, in retrospect, like, I, it maybe it was dramatic, but like, I felt like I needed, like, I was going to there was a bomb going off in my body and I don't know that I ever thought I was actually dying, but I still needed that person to just tell me to calm me down and to provide some healing support. And I'm getting teary, like even thinking about it because, you know, he provided that for me and it, it, I needed it. It saved my life. I absolutely needed it because I was spiraling. Yeah. I just would have spiraled out of control if he hadn't held me up. Yeah, it's so crucial. It's so crucial. And um, acupuncture helped me quite a bit, too. Um, you know, I, I haven't gone back in a while, but it, that does help a lot. Um, and meditation, anything, um, anything that's calming in some way, knitting, you know, whatever it is for you, coloring, <laughs> that, that calms you, I, you know, I would say just do it. Um, and to stay off the internet, <laughs> just stay off if you can. Um, and the other thing, I'm sorry, Lisa, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say that I certainly found that I became much less resilient to stress after I mm. got floxed. And so I really needed that relaxation time. I needed that meditation. I needed to stay away from stressful inputs. Mm-hmm. And as time has gone on, I've gotten more resilient to stress, but, uh, but I, I honestly think that, you know, kind of given, given my genetic background and who my parents are, I don't mm-hmm. think that I'm naturally particularly resilient to stress. <laughs> so, so, so I, I think that, that I need to shape my life to accommodate for that. But at the same time, like there just are stresses in life and it really, it really sucks yeah. <laughs> that fluoroquinolones like took that ability to just handle stress away from yeah. us and, and to be able to cope with it without getting sick. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are, there are practices and I think that acupuncture is something that helps people to cope with stress. I think meditation is something that helps people to cope with stress. All of those, all of those things are calming and they get down our cortisol levels. Yes. So it's, those, those are important as well. So just wanted to, to insert that. I apologize. You're about to say something. Oh, no, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it's um, the thing, the thing that, um, that struck me, um, you know, doing research and reading and, and other people's stories and is realizing that the, 
the brain, the, the brain is an organ too. I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say, but the brain is going through, um, some things that are making that, that are give you a different sense of reality that is not true. So, um, you know, for those of it like me who tend to spiral, um, it helped me to think that the thoughts that I was having were a result of my brain doing stuff <laughs> to me rather than the thoughts defining me. I don't even know if that makes sense. Oh, that absolutely makes sense. It at least makes sense to me. Like, and, and I, that really resonates with me actually. Like, I think that it helped me to think of, like I had some kind of psychotic thoughts to tell you the truth. Some thoughts that I really, that scared me and went like, that's not me. And it helped me to think of those things as symptoms. Yes. Like, yeah. Like this is a symptom and I'll get through it. This is just me being sick. Yes. It's so, it's so helpful to just, to, to just constantly remind yourself of that. Um, and to, and to, realize that it'll, it'll get better. And, and, you know, my new mantra now is like, the brain is just an organ. You know, it's, it's just like the heart. (laughs) It's just like your stomach. It's got a job to do. And the brain's job is to think and to create thoughts and you don't have to believe all of them. And that's, that's just, that's a lesson I've had to learn over and over throughout my life, even pre-floxing. Um, and it's just something that, that I, I constantly have to remind myself. The brain's just doing its job. It's just creating thoughts. Yep, absolutely. And meditation is helpful for kind of separating like the the thoughts from from your identity. Yes. Um, Yes. Because you could realize like these thoughts come and go. You could you can witness those thoughts coming and going, and the witness is is who you really are. And you can separate yourself from those from those thoughts and realize that they're transient. And I I think that that that's. It, it can be very valuable for sure. Yeah. 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 So wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, for telling your story and for being on the podcast and for sharing your hopeful message and, and for everything, Renee, is there, uh, is there anything else you'd like to say kind of before we sign off? Um, I would just say, I would first of all, thank you. It's been, it's been a, a wonderful. It's been an honor to be on the podcast. I mean, I've, I've been following Flaxy Hope for a long time now and, um, the work that you're doing is, uh, is, is just, it is so crucial. It's so crucial. And, uh, you know, to be an advocate and an activist and a healer is, it's just rare. And I, now I'm getting a little teary. And, um, so thank you for all the work that you're doing. And, um, to, to everyone who's listening, I'll just say, just do not give up hope. It can be done. Even in, you know, you can heal yourself. Just, just, find a way it's just tiny step by tiny step you know one step forward one step forward and and you'll get there absolutely that's wonderful yeah well it's it's my it's my pleasure and thank you for for all for all you are doing um just to let you know your story reached a lot of people that has over a thousand shares in part because dr walls shared it um oh, and, and, yeah. and that's that's the biggest part actually <laughs> so, so we we reached a lot of her audience with your story of fluoroquinolone toxicity and healing and i think that the more the more people put together these um the more people share their stories and put together their symptoms, you know, the more awareness we'll get, the more people will, will realize that this is not near as rare as it should be. And it needs to be more recognized and it needs to be prevented. So 
um, yeah, really, I, I appreciate you too. And um, thank you everyone for listening. If you have any questions, please leave comments um, and we'll, we'll go from there. Have a wonderful day.